Monday afternoon into the last half hour, and that means it's time for us to check out and see what's on Rick's reading list. Every Monday, we take you through something that I have picked up and read in the last seven days. And today's book is called Under an Outlaw Moon. It is written by Dietrich Kultheis, and it is about a real-life crime story from the 1930s. Everybody knows Ma and Pa Barker. Everybody knows Bonnie and Clyde. Everybody knows about these bank robbers during the Depression who were doing all sorts of bank jobs in order to get rich, stealing from the banks because they didn't have enough money. Well, Under an Outlaw Moon is a story similar to that, and yet with very different leading men and ladies. You see, this story is about Benny Dixon, who was a young man growing up and didn't come from the best life growing up and found himself getting mixed up with the wrong people. However, he could have made it as a boxer, potentially, but when he ended up being involved in holding up a bank, he ended up going off to serve time. But later on, as a 26-year-old, after he had been out and after he met a 15-year-old girl named Stella at a roller rink, he decided that he wanted to have her as his wife. Again, this is the 1930s. So as they do this, they celebrate her 16th birthday just a couple of days after they got married when she lied about her age and they robbed a bank. Stella Mae Dixon and Benny Dixon robbed a bank in August of 1938, the Corn Exchange Bank in Elkton, South Dakota. $2,100 was theirs. But you know what? As they were in there with their guns drawn, there was a timer on the vault where there was more money that they wanted to have. And they waited for 30 minutes for the timer to pop so they could get more money. And everybody who came into this small bank, they simply told them to lie down on the floor and lie down on the floor and had them lined up on the floor until it finally popped. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was injured. As a matter of fact, they didn't take any of the money that the people were coming in with. They allowed that to go into their deposits, but they took other money from the bank. It was immediately known that they were a little bit different. They assembled those customers. They had them up against the wall without a shot being fired. They took the $2,100, drove off to Minnesota, where they buried the money on the property of a family farm for Benny. They were relatively normal, relatively quiet, running around. He wanted to be a lawyer, wanted to enroll in college and start to get his degree. But the money started to dwindle. And they realized that there was another bank, one that drew his attention. He taught Stella how to fire a gun. And pretty soon they started planning another robbery back to South Dakota. 
not more than just a few miles from the first bank that they hit, they went after another one. This time it was a Northwest Security National Bank in Brookings, South Dakota. But when they had to wait out the time vault uh, lock this time, it was an hour and a half. They stayed inside for that 90-minute period. They told people as they came and went that they were bank inspectors. Business went on as normal. As a matter of fact, at one point, Benny said to one of the people who worked in the bank that he liked his overcoat, wanted to know where he got it. The guy said, I bought it in Kansas City. He said, I'd like to buy it from you. Took money out of the bank till, paid the man $25 for his coat. So when he took his coat and left, he had paid for it. So 90 minutes later, they ended up taking more than $17,000 in cash from this bank, not to mention some $16,000 that they ended up getting in stock certificates as well. They became known as the Time Lock Bandits, and ultimately, J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, took an interest in them, and he wanted to paint them basically with the same brush that he did for people like Dillinger and Carpus and the Barrows, Baby. Nelson, Pretty Boy Floyd, wanted to call these two among their most wanted. As a matter of fact, they ended up becoming public enemy number one and public enemy number two. Bonnie and Clyde killed 13 people, robbed 24 banks, and yet these two small town crooks ended up on top of the list. The story in Under an Outlaw Moon shows the relationship between Benny Dixon and Stella May. And it talks about ultimately their relationship. They're living on the run. They're living all over the place from New Orleans to Los Angeles to out the Dakotas and Kansas and stopping to see her family and spending time in Michigan, stealing cars, getting away from the law. And it talked about how the two of them had this relationship, despite the fact that he was 26 when she was just 15, that ended up being this life of crime. Ultimately, he was shot and killed by the FBI after a bank robbery, their second bank robbery, and she ended up going to jail as well. Ultimately, though, she was pardoned by Richard Nixon later on in her life. Stella May married many times but never really found anybody who she loved like she did Benny Dixon. But when you think about learning about the people involved, this book tells it from a very different perspective because it doesn't tell it from the perspective of the FBI or the agents who are trying to track them down. It tells of the story of what life was like on the run for Stella May and Benny Dixon. They were these two crooks who robbed a couple of banks and ended up paying for the crime, him with his life, her time in jail, and ultimately, Under an Outlaw Moon tells that story. That's your look at what's on Rick's reading list for this week, and we'll do it again next Monday. You've got some suggestions of what I should read? I'd always love to hear from you. Send them to me. You can send them to us on the Odyssey app. You can send it to us on Instant Access at kdkradio.com. You can email, send it to me on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, would love to hear from you. Always looking for something good to read. Under an Outlaw Moon, this week's selection on Rick's Reading List.